0: To 53342, New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 ny or text hope and Y four six seven three six nine.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Naima Cochran and you're not tripping. This is not Black Opinions Matter. The good folks at Count the Dings have deemed it fit that I have my own show. So no shade to Waz and Trey and Ameen and the entire crew over at Bomb, whom I love but we're going to do a little something special over here. Right now, we're calling this Wednesday service because I do remain the senior pastor of Music Sermon, but we want the room to do some other things as well. So that is subject to change. Actually, this is the first episode, so anything I do today is subject to change. I'm not married to any of this shit. However, one thing I am married to is the rest of the bomb slate and the count the ding slate. So as you are here tuned in for me, please do remember that we do have other shows, including the original that you know me from, Black Opinions Matter, on Tuesdays. You have the Woke Brothers on Thursdays. And on the regular Count the Dings feed, you have the Dad Pod on Mondays, Cinephobes on Wednesdays, the Mailbag on Fridays, and you have Pack Your Knives on Thursdays. So we offer you a little bit of everything over here. So anyway, um, I do have a guest with me today. He may end up being my co-host. Again, I'm not married to that. Let's see what happens. He gets on my nerves sometimes. But I would like to introduce you guys to journalist and media commentator, current writer for Deadspin, my friend, Karn Phillips. Welcome, Karn.
2: Thanks for having me. And I get on your nerves because you love me. That's why I'm here.
1: I mean, I guess, sure. You're here because you're an intelligent black man who can speak to a myriad of topics. But also because, because I love you sometimes.
2: I'm I'm out here trying. I'm just trying to get it, you know. And I
1: know you won't embarrass me. That's actually the most important thing.
2: I can't 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 (laughs) can't fumble the bag. Can't do it.
1: (laughs) Can't fumble the bag. So um, you know, the folks, the good folks, that count the dings, and I've been talking about doing my own show for a while. Some of the listeners, of bomb, and I love y'all for this. Have been asking either for me to be a permanent inclusion on the Bomb Podcast or to have my own show. I'm sure that I will still show up on Bomb from time to time. I love the guys. But I also didn't want to encroach on the guys' of space, um, which is why now I have my own. So what we're gonna do over here is a combination of discussions, obviously music, culture, current events, but also given the state of things in the world, we would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on some of the more serious things that are going on. But always we want to give you what we're giving you from a black cultural perspective. This is still Black Opinions Matter, same feed, different show. This is Naima's Black Opinion Matters. Um, so where I want to start in, with that in mind is, um, and Karin, I'm definitely interested. I don't think you and I have actually talked about this. So last week, there was a bit of, um, I want to say a debate when news broke that Quaker Oats was finally changing um, the Aunt Jemima branding from Andromama syrup and pancake mix, et cetera, because of the fact that when they first started the brand over 100 years ago, it was based on pretty outright racist mammy imaging. And over the decades, they've softened it a little bit here and there, finally gave her like a regular um, press and curl uh, in like 1990, I think. And and they wanted her to look more like a quote unquote working mother. Mm -hmm. I said she looked like... um, I said she looked like Mary from 227. Somebody else said she looked more like Pearl from 227. Not Pearl. She looked more like um, Rose from 227, which is accurate. She looked
2: like an extra from the women of Brewster Place. She did
1: look like an extra from the women, but you know what? You're absolutely right. She looked like an extra from the women of Brewster Place. But the name still, even as they changed the imaging, they realized that the name Aunt Jemima in itself was still problematic. So some of us are like, good, it's about Tom. Although... A lot of us are, and I'm one of them, I have Angel Mama products, Uncle Man products, and Cream of Weed products, and we'll get to those other two. In my kitchen right now, I've been buying them for so long. They've been such a staple. I don't even notice the imagery anymore. It's just, it's just always been what it is. And they've also, um, the brands themselves have minimized the the images almost to the point, they're almost like a little Abby on Twitter. Like, So they even realize that they want, they're trying to kind of move away from it a little bit. But a lot of people were kind of like, is this an important conversation to have in the middle of a fight for justice? I think they're connected. I don't know. What, what was your thought on this?
2: Yes, like, it's time to bring everything up the closet. And mm-hmm. even the way people pronounce it is always funny to me because, like, in my house, it was Angel Mama. Angel
1: Mama, exactly.
2: Which is really similar. If you think about it, if you really want to go Hotep levels deep enough <laughs> and go full Omar, Ain't right. your mama sound like something white people would say to they like House Negro be like, yeah, that ain't that ain't really that ain't ain't your mama. My mama. I am, even though she's the one that breastfeeds you and takes care of you. So even mm-hmm. like you can play with that if you really want to put on your dead mic and I'm black y'all it up um, right. from CD4. But yeah, like we have to talk about all this stuff because it's it's all connected. Um but you said something really, really um smart and really, really impactful that I don't even think you understood But you was like, you, um, I'm numb to it. I didn't even realize it. Right. That's, well, that's most of the, the experience problem. for Black people in this country. Exactly. are so used to this type of stuff that we're numb to it. Like, as being a sports writer, I was telling people a couple of years ago, I got so numb to being the only Black face. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't matter if it was collegiate, national pro sports, the only Black person um, right. in the in press box. Like, I just got numb to it To one day I was like, okay, I have to really stop being numb to this so I can address this because right. it's just something that needs to change. But when you see these images, um, not just on TV, not just on in, you know, in magazines or in print on digital, especially with black women and the yeah. history of damaging black uh, images for black women, they're in our home. Like, they're in the products we cook with. So right. I can understand a- someone being like, we got bigger stuff to deal with, but no, nah, we need to deal with this too.
1: Well, exactly. That's the problem, right? Like it's so normalized um, because right after, right after Aunt Jemima made their announcement, and and to go back, you guys, if you want to Google it at all, or even if you look on, um, if you look on my Twitter and and search my name and Aunt Jemima, I put like a history of the branding there. So Aunt Jemima started in 1890, and the very first imaging they had was like darky mammy, like black, like legit black, like the color black, not even brown, not like, nothing like, like black, balsamic black, black, yeah, right. like balsamic black, black imaging. Then they would hire um, these actually really like talented black actresses and well known in their field, but could get limited work in the 50s and 60s to play Aunt Mama at trade shows and fairs and things of that nature. And I want to say she even had a variety show at one point. And the way they always would introduce the product was smiling, happy Aunt Jemima. Smiling, happy Aunt Jemima. So it was low key, like just affirming the idea of Blacks being happy in like servitude, the cooking for the white people, you know? And, and, somebody, right, and so it was that. And it was like maybe in the late 70s, the Aunt Jemima I grew up with. She didn't have like the big round face. She wasn't, she didn't look like a full mammy, but she still had a, a headscarf on. They didn't take the headscarf because obviously, how were you going to know that she was cooking for you if she didn't have a headscarf on? She had to have a headscarf on. So they, and I, again, wasn't, wasn't even something I thought about. And they finally removed that one quicker ocean. You know why?
2: On. Because when you thought of Angel Mama, you was like, oh, she definitely makes some mean biscuits. That's going to have my throat. <laughs> so, like he was cool right. with it.
1: Right. It was fine. So then um, Uncle Ben's uh, parent company, which is Mars, the same company that owns the candy and now the same company that owns Eminem and some other stuff announced on the heels of that that they were going to change the Uncle Ben, um, maybe not the title, but at least the product image. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Ben is slightly less problematic than Aunt Jemima, but only by a little bit. Um, it was introduced in 1940. It didn't start with like a full, like, let's say, shucking and diving slave or anything like that. But the man on the package is a taken from a real waiter in Chicago um, whose name is Frank. I can't remember his last name, but his name is Frank. He's a waiter in Chicago that the owners... So they decided to use him for the image. And he, up until very recently, was in like a full waiter's uniform, because, again, you needed to know he was a
2: service person,
1: right? And now he, a,
2: that's a solid Black man's name, Frank, right. like that. Yeah, that you and know now
1: he's in a business suit. And the name of the rice was taken from there's a, apparently a Black rice farmer or was a Black rice farmer in Beaumont, Texas, which is Uncle Ben's home. And they called him Uncle Ben. So that's the story lore. We don't know if that's true. But also, even if that issue was is kind of problematic because nowhere, and I searched, nowhere do they actually say what Uncle Ben's real name was. I'm pretty sure they ain't paying him to use his name. I'm pretty sure they ain't give Frank no real money to use his imagery, et cetera. And it's still also Uncle Ben, Aunt Jemima.
2: Uncle Naris? Like, do we know Uncle Naris' real
1: name? Yeah, these, these, the fam- familial names with servants on the, on the packaging, right? Like, it's some real, again, it's so, I don't even want to call it coated, but it's so normalized that we haven't even thought to like peel away the layers of it. And lastly, the one I'm waiting for to come out is cream of wheat. The guy on the cream of wheat box and I have I think he still has a chef's hat on. His name is Rastus. And if you go back <laughs> to cream of wheat and this one was new for me, but it's the it might be the worst, actually. You go back to the early cream of wheat imaging, imaging and ads. Rastus was a house nigga. Like he was in the big house cooking and there's one ad where he's holding up a sign and the sign says I, something about some vitamins. I don't even know what them are, but this show is good, hearty eating and this soul is going to be like, it's so bad. It's so bad. So we got to talk about racism. I need some racist cream and wheat discussion next. But the, but the point of it all is, the reason it's important is because, like you said, it, it's so, it's just the way that racist things have evolved in this country to just be part of everyday shit, right? Literally every day. It's in the kitchen, it's a nursery rhyme, it's uh the ice cream man jingle it's anything that's been around for longer than 100 years if you start peeling away like three layers it's some really it's something really messed up at the at the root of it just because that's how that's how that's what this country is that's how this country gets down and that's how recently norms changed and i do think that if we confront those and also in doing so have a real conversation about how Again, how much we've just normalized certain facets of racism in the country until very recently, right? Then, then that helps us get to the other conversations around it. So, the other part where people were asking if this is really important was apparently a a very old debate that's come back up again about whether or not Beethoven is black. Now, had you ever heard that Beethoven was black?
2: Yeah, uh, I learned that. Like, right after the movie came out with the dog, remember? The loveable oh, dog, dog, Beethoven. Yeah. yeah, and then I was a kid, and I was just kind of like, Beethoven. And my parents was like, yeah, the composer. Uh, and, like, my family. Like, I came up from, like, a really, really black-ass family. Oh, okay. uh, like, we could spend a whole podcast about how I am two degrees at most separated from every African-American experience you can have in this country.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and so like, yeah, they told me and I did the research and cause like my mama was like super, super, like I had black history flashcards in elementary, <laughs> like, we, we on that type of stuff. Like she joined the like black Christian movement in undergrad and changed their name. Like, okay. yeah, like it was there. Like my daddy was a Muslim for like a week and a half and all he ate was bean pies. And wow. he was like, I can't do this no more. I miss bacon. But like I
1: was my stepdad too. So he kept his name.
2: Yeah, so I knew about that, and I remember vividly knowing that type of stuff and get into an argument with a classmate and my teacher, and I believe third or fourth grade, because I came to school and we like learning some parts of history, and we got to like Cleopatra, and I was like, Yeah, she was black, and the whole school was like, oh no, she's not, she's white. You ain't seen the movie. And even, like, fourth or fifth grade, I'm like, they in Africa. (laughs) And the whole room just kind of went like, wait, wait a minute. I forgot about that. And I'm just like, it ain't no white people in Africa. Like, I might be in a fourth grade education, but I'm like, I know where niggas come from. Um, (laughs) And they don't look like Elizabeth Taylor. They don't look like Liz Taylor. Um, Right. So yeah, like I knew about it, but it was just funny to me that Juneteenth, all of that is like all I was love
1: happening at the same time was a lot. Um, the thing about so so somebody, a couple of people actually, when we were having the cup. Con- first of all, first I'll say this. So I actually played classical music. I was a violinist, and I'm pretty sure I heard this at some point, but just ignored it because I didn't actually care enough to research it at the time. You actually hey, look
2: like you did play a violin. I like. don't.
1: I don't really know what that means. Like your okay. skin
2: neck structure, like I can see you. Just no, no. Okay. Okay.
1: I mean, I, all right. I, <laughs> I, I can't decide whether that's an insult or not. So I'm no, I'm right. just saying. But,
2: like I feel like you was nice with it.
1: I was. I was first chair, so I didn't. But I didn't. I just. I really do feel like I heard this in those things that people say randomly at the dinner table or something. But I just didn't absorb it um, because I didn't. I, li- I liked the music that I played, but I wasn't passionate enough about it to research any of my artists beyond what everybody kind of knew about them. So, but when it came back up, what I really found interesting, I did a quick scan of how much different scholarship, like people have written whole academic papers about this, like arguing for and arguing against. And for those who haven't heard before, the argument is that, or, or the theory is that Beethoven's mom Um, was at least half more, which is Black, um, from North Africa. And that people knew Beethoven was Black, even if maybe... I mean, I'm not going to imagine what it was like in 1800s Austria, you know, if anybody was walking around just, you know, announcing it or trying Mm -hmm. to hide it or whatever when he was mixing up with the aristocracy. But um, that he used to be referred, referred to as the more or as the it was a word that meant dark skin.
2: Um, oh, listen, they always got a name for us. Listen. They always got a name
1: for us. And that people who knew him described him as having like a broad nose and, you know, dark skin and, and really like coarse hair that stuck up all over the place. Oh, kind of like Jesus. Kind of like Jesus. And then his death, his death mask looks very much like the mask of a black man. So, you know, academics are kind of like, we can't go on anecdotal evidence, but my argument is that short of exhuming him, what else do you expect to go off of? Because it's not like there was gonna be a distinctly traceable family tree on this side of the lineage, especially if they weren't trying to really, like his, his mom, if his mom was half more and she married a German, my guess is that they weren't really talking about the more side that much up in the crib, right? And then also, I, and then they were like, "Well, photos of him make him look white." Yes, because the people who painted those portraits emphasized Europhic fi- Euro features because those were conventionally seen as more attractive. And then obviously, history for however many hundreds of years has been written by white people. So, like, what, like, what else do y'all expect? I just think that the, but the I think the anecdotal stuff should be more weighted. But also, it really surprised me how fervent white objectors were in my mentions to the idea. Of Beethoven being black, no.
2: And, no you could just yeah. look at like if you don't want to dig them up, y'all dig up everything else. Like, why would you not want to dig up the one of the well, arguably the greatest composer in yeah. physical history? But y'all go dig up dinosaurs and want to do Jurassic Park every three to four years.
1: <laughs> they also <laughs> y'all go. Y'all up, they also dig up Egyptian grave sites and have no problem with it.
2: No, it, no problem cracking them open. Oh, let's let's see if they really black. Yeah, right. like. Yes. So then
1: the other thing that, so there were white detractors who felt really passionately about this in my mentions. And then there were black folks who were kind of like, why do we need to claim Beethoven when we have, instead of claiming Beethoven, let's talk about all the composers that we know were black. And I'm kind of like, it can be both and instead of either or. And it's not even necessarily a claim thing so much as just just about, correcting the record and or having, again, an honest conversation about how history gets shifted over time or history gets rewritten. Whitewashed. um, Whitewashed. And, you know, history is recorded. Whatever hit the people who write history decide what history is. And for the longest amount of time in terms of actual scholarship and and recorded history, that those have been white men, um, at least in the Western world. So I think that, again, I think that even that conversation, although we had jokes on it for sure, was important because somebody tried to fuss at me about talking about Beethoven instead of Brianna. And I was like, well, first of all, I tweeted about Brianna Taylor right before this tweet that you're responding to. But second of all, again, it is all intertwined in terms of a a conversation about how Black people have been perceived, um, how they've been deemed not as intelligent, not as smart, not as creative, how white people have been seen as superior, like, these things are all inherently linked on different levels, and I feel like those small things are important to get to the bigger
2: Yeah, thing. like, I'm, I'm a person who lives by the mantra that details matter. Like, I am a person that's very huge in semantics, mm-hmm. and it rubs people the wrong way. It can irritate people, they might not like it, but I'm always like, okay, when it comes to important things in your life, you always make sure all the I's of dotted and the T's are crossed because details right. semantics matter because those are the things that kill you. The big things, you know, they can bother you. Those could be the newsworthy things. Those could be the cringeworthy right. things now in the time we're living in. But it's always the details that get mm. people tripped up. And the details are always the small, minute things that people want to look over. But right. when you study history 10, 15, 20, 100 years later, and you right. look back, that one small minor detail, you'd be like, oh, Beethoven was white. He wasn't black. But then you have, when you get black people that are trying to get into orchestra or classical music. It's like, well, black
1: people I, think that this isn't for, this space isn't correct. for us. And
2: right. it's like, actually, the dude who started all this, used race right. just like I do. And then right. like, <laughs> <just> the <music laughs> I <on> everybody else. <laughs> like, look, Blood have right. been around for a long time.
1: So yes, it has. And, and so let say, but no, I agree. I think, and that's the thing, right? Like there are so many, when people are like, this conversation doesn't matter. Like another person was like, I mean, changing the branding on Aunt Jemima is cool, but they should be giving money to HBCUs. I was like, why not do both? But also as long as you have a brand called Ain't Jamama on shelves and people think having a brand called Ain't Jemima with no thought to why is a brand that's white owned and that was initially marketed to white people like before we even went through you know the civil rights movement called aunt jemima like right. again you just gotta change it's a sh- it's about reframing and a shift in thinking
2: so i it's, it's I was, also the fact that like i can tell you right now the person that told you that didn't go to hbcu because if you went to hbcu you know angel Jemima serb is on the tables <laughs> in the right, next to the bottle of hot sauce. Right. So you would have been able to be like, oh, we need to change this and make sure this company sends us a check. You can have both. It doesn't have to be the- either that, or. And that's
1: the thing that also gets lost is that it doesn't always have to be either or. It can be this and also that. It can be both and. um, And also, like, yeah, black people definitely, absolutely still do use ain't Mama. So when folks are talking about renaming it Karen as a joke, I was like, but see, then I'm not gonna want to buy it because no. I'm not gonna want to have any Karen in my home. I would like it to be something neutral, so that I will still want to buy it and enjoy
2: it. Joan, so Why well, well not Joan. Yeah, Jamama. Joan
1: serve or just or yeah, okay. just we'll figure it out. But I would, I do still enjoy Mama because it's a good serve. As I do still enjoy Cream of Wheat, as I do still enjoy Uncle Ben's Rice, so I'm gonna continue to patronize them even as they um go through their branding change. But I'm but I'm happy to see the conversation happening. But along these same lines in terms of, you know, in this last, oh, and also shout out to Jade um, from Count the Dings who sent me like a really outstanding, a couple of outstanding articles, um, links during the Beethoven conversation, by the way. But, um, you know, America is going through this new, in light of the most recent uprising in May after George Floyd's death, which is the, I want to say it's one of the largest, we probably had, it's definitely the largest we've had, I think, since 2014 in Ferguson. But I want to say it's probably one of the largest that we've seen in our time in terms of like all 50 states protesting in some way, shape, form or fashion um, and just the quickness with which it's spread around the country. But it's inspired this new level of desired allyship. And wokeness, performative or otherwise, that we didn't even see after we didn't even see in the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, it's been interesting to watch how it plays out. So first, it was obviously like the corporatization of Black Lives Matter—you know, memes and okay. gifts and posts and from and emails from every fuck like. People, like, I don't care. I didn't really need a Black Lives Matter email from the Gap. I don't know that I needed it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't know that I needed all of these brands to email me and tell me they're... Why you send me an email and a hoodie?
2: Like, boom. Like, like
1: give me some money. Like, I really, that's, all, that's really all I got to say about that. Give me some money. Reparations applies to everybody. Or or examine what your internal structure looks like. Because I I had a, I heard a couple of stories about companies who had to reach out externally to even get somebody to be a sensitivity reader for their statement because they didn't have anybody internally who could read the statement and tell them whether or not it was on
2: point or not. Welcome to the world of journalism. Right. So
1: before you put out out a statement, maybe, instead of putting out a statement about how you stand in support of Black lives, you hire some Black people to show how you stand in support of Black lives. But anyway... In
2: in actual positions of power, who can tell you what you're wrong.
1: Right. So we've been watching this happen over the past couple of weeks, and then... Like round about in the first week of June, all of a sudden everybody's like, our company's giving Juneteenth off. we going to give Juneteenth off. Y'all take Juneteenth off. Friggin' Governor Cuomo was like, we're going to make it a, a holiday for state employees. We're going to make it a state holiday by next year. All of that is cute. <laughs> However, So cute. Like, my question was why. Like, I was telling people if like, your company is telling you that you're, they're giving you Juneteenth off, ask why. And if they're like, because it's Juneteenth, be like, be like a toddler. Be like, but why? Because it's an important holiday. But why? Because we want to honor the day that, you know, the last set of free slaves knew that. It. It's not about when the slaves were free, that the last set of enslaved they were free, right? And if they still say why, like, my thing is why? Because if you're just giving a day off the niggas to sit at home, I'm, we got that coming in two weeks because we don't actually celebrate the fourth. We just celebrate being off. So it's like, I, I'm concerned that obviously some of this, well, y'all got Juneteenth as a holiday, especially when not even all Black people. Because okay, so let's break. Let me back up. Let me back, uh,
2: I was wondering if no, you was going to back up to this.
1: What listeners need to know is that not even all Black people celebrate Juneteenth because, again, it is a distinctively... Texas holiday and well, regional, I'm going to say it's regional for many years. It was mostly regional. So it was like Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, that area. Um, because it's about Texas, right now true. None of us are free until all of us are free. Right? So yes, now we have all started to embrace it collectively. But for example, it was so regional. I didn't know what Juneteenth was until I was damn near grown. Unless you're around a bunch of so, in pockets where, like, if you if you were in community with people, or if your parents were friends with people, like, if your family celebrated Kwanzaa, you probably celebrated Juneteenth because it was like that kind of. If y'all are on, if y'all if y'all observe Black August, Kwanzaa, Juneteenth, like that's what if y'all. If y'all
2: got that many aunts in y'all house, right? You might have, <laughs> you might have celebrated celebrate Juneteenth, Juneteenth. No
1: matter where you were, but other states also mark their own liberation days like in dc they have may day um other places mark their own liberation days in different ways because people's dates are different but it was really over the past decade and change that juneteenth started to become a more widely celebrated or acknowledged honored posted about whatever thing because the internet breaks down all those regional barriers right so my issue was white people trying to catch up on Juneteenth and black people aren't all the way caught up on Juneteenth. Like, we're still, we're still all adopting Juneteenth and y'all are already, like, like, we ain't gotten a party good and y'all showed up.
2: And and I I still don't, like, don't know how I feel about that. Like, I spent the first part of last week, like, pissed off at black people. Until I had, like, a really... Yeah, at black people.
1: At black people.
2: But, like, I didn't express it because okay. i didn't know how to communicate it okay um so until i had like a really good conversation with one of my best friends and me and her were going back and forth and then i remember we were we were texting that night and talking and Then not that morning it hit me and i hit it with this long you know i hit it with the long blue bubble and i was like i figured it out and i was like i'm not i'm disappointed That more of us didn't know. I wasn't necessarily mad at us. I had to figure out the right emotion. It was disappointment, but then I had to also check my own black privilege Mm -hmm. that I grew up in this really like black ass family with roots to the South and trips to the South growing up and all the like horrible and like meaningful things I saw. And in this household with parents, it it was like, no, like you're going to know exactly what you are who you came from and, like, what right. this country thinks of you. But when you grow up in that, you have this innate sensibility that like, oh, like, everybody's house is like that. Right. And I had to check that privilege in myself to be like, oh, no, like, I get it. Some people don't know this. Some right. part of the country. But there's still a little part of me that just, like, Google, like you can ask Siri, you could ask Alexa. Here's the
1: thing thing about Google, but see, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you and I had to, I, I am a recently reformed, Google is free person in certain instances. You have to know what you're going to Google before you go to Google right? So it's like, yes, once you find out a Juneteenth exists, once you find out a Black August exists, it's beholden on you to do some research. But if you don't know that shit exists, you don't know what to look up, right? So I'm going to say, because when my mama hears this, I'm almost 100% I'm going to get a call from my mama. And she's going to be like, I took you to a Juneteenth celebration. I clearly didn't care. Like I wasn't, I wasn't sat down. And it was like, we're going to go through these steps. We're going to do these things because
2: this wait, is Wait, 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 The blackest woman on Twitter <laughs> did not care about her June T. Parade. I mean, Talk talking about Naima in
1: high school and Naima now are two completely, are two maybe not completely different people, but we're different people. Because the other thing about, so I've explained this before. I need to explain it so that it doesn't sound, it can, it, I need to make sure that, because, you know, people don't like context and they hear what they want
2: to hear. Oh, people hate So. That. Been
1: allergic to it. I grew up in a very black household, but it was not a it was a global black household. Yeah. So what I mean by that is like my parents listened to Fela, they listened to afrobeat. They listened to Hugh Masekela. Um they you know, so I heard a little bit of everything. My mother grew up in the Bronx, so she cooked um she cooked Latino food and Afro Caribbean food and so from my parents' side, both who, both of which whom my, my father, my mother, and my stepfather, all Howard grads, right? On my parents' side, their embrace of Blackness was a very, like, diasporic embrace of Blackness. Yeah. And growing up in South Carolina, I actually got clowned a little bit when I was a kid because, like, my mother had bracelets going off her arms. She had her nose pierced. Like, she used to wear all these really funky prints. And,
2: yeah, we all, we all you know, know what that is.
1: Yeah, people... Then like come people like thought my parents' music was weird until like Tribe started sampling jazz and then all of a sudden it was like Naima's dad has all these albums at the crib and their parents burn incense and smoke weed and it's the fly house, <laughs> my house uh, and like my mom had a nose ring and yeah, the girls from had a nose room. ring <laughs> now, all the sh- all the shit I got clown for all the way up through middle school like all of a sudden in nineteen ninety like, like one wow. that's fly also like like ninety one ninety two like Like I said, Tribe drops, Diggable Planners drops. The conscious hip hop movement is in, and all of a sudden, my house is a spot. But um, all of a sudden, my parents is hip.
2: But that's a really interesting point because, like, I grew up the complete opposite. Like, I come from a pure African American heritage. Like, my mom's side of family is from like parts of Mississippi you have never heard of, and you wouldn't believe they were real unless you got on like uh, Euphoria, Mississippi. Kill right. Michael, Mississippi. Ask me why it's called Kill Michael. You can right. figure it out. <laughs> um, my dad is from, like, Atlanta. Like, I tell people all the time, like, I'm making a joke, but it's real. I'm like, I'm pure nigga. Like, I don't right. know nothing about island culture or this global right. diaspora. Because I'm, like, I just grew up extra-ass African-American.
1: But that's the funny thing. My family is an actually from my mom's side of family is actually from the South. And it's like, we have a great migration family. And my dad's side of family is from New Orleans and Alabama, but he was a military brat. So it's not that the Southern roots aren't there. I just had to get that part from my grandparents and all that other stuff. My parents were on some other But I say all that to say, like, even with all that, I was exposed growing up to, you know, things like Juneteenth, and I'm sure I, I'm saying I was because I'm I'm positive I was taken to some Juneteenth event at some point one summer, and I just wasn't paying attention. But Black August, like I heard all these things. I was given, you know, Carter G. Woodson, the miseducation of Negro, like all like all of that, all of that. But I was also very fucking bougie as a kid. You read so Invisible I, Man. <laughs> I read Invisible Man, but I was very selective in like what how much of that i was gonna take on so it was like i knew about it but it was like how much money gonna... so i say all that to say that the Juneteenth thing is interesting to me and I'll, i'm gonna try to move on because we're already 20 minutes left. but the june thing thing is interesting to me because it's like we know that people will corporatize some shit real quick we saw it happen with pride with pride's 50th anniversary last year like all of a sudden anything any product any anything they could slap a rainbow on they was they were it was like you know, deodorant that was special product. literally, like it happened. I think the they do
2: the at Starbucks. Like, well, how is
1: coffee game my dude? You know, so it's like <laughs> I mean, so coffee I'm is just, happy. Coffee makes you I'm worried, happy. Yes, I'm worried about the performative aspects that are coming soon with June That's all I'm saying. Oh, there's about to be some bullshit. And like the New York Times. Put out a recipe for like red punch and I was like who needs a recipe for red punch in the New York Times who's that but anyway so yeah it's been interesting to watch everybody all of a sudden be like I'm listening let me let's talk about this dialog we we've been trying to have forever and people told us we were overreacting about so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna appreciate the fact that this country is on a large level acknowledging slavery at all to in a real way except to like change it into the slaves were happy. Um, so I'll take that and I'll roll with it. Okay. i I have one other thing I'm going to talk about before we get there, because I think this is important. Um, we wanted to touch on NASCAR and uh, actually I'm going to let you take this one. Why don't you take the lead?
2: NASCAR is in a, Ooh, how, uh, I'm trying to find some biblical words to use to describe. My Are they books, going?
1: Uh, like, do we want to say they're going through like, um,
2: no, no. Cause like,
1: Crisis of identity, but the whole thing, because because what's going on if you don't know, is that uh, NASCAR's black driver, one of his one of their black drivers, Bubba Wallace, um, has re- recently alleged that somebody put a rope in his car or something there, or in the there, garage. There was, or,
2: there, was got, there was a news found a news, right. in the garage, so they had like the FBI come in. And, like, we're going to figure this out. We're not going to stand by this. And then the FBI uh, ruling came out today.
1: Yeah, the FBI said the news had been there.
2: Oh, and they must have been like, oh, that had been there. We have no evidence of who did this. It had been there for, like, a year, sometime back in 2019. We don't know where it came from, how it got there. And basically all this for, for nothing. So, like, all the black people I saw on Twitter and social media being hyped when they did that march behind Bubba Wallace's car. Yeah. Uh, in solidarity. And I was just like, this is why I was not excited about it, because I've been screaming in, in any column I write, or on social media, if you follow me, I have been screaming for weeks and years that NASCAR Race Day is a Klan rally. Mm. And, and the only people that get upset and object are white. Right, because Black people who have actually been to a race car, uh, or uh, been to NASCAR and race day are just like, Yeah, fam. Now that you say it like like, that, you're right.
1: But aren't we all kind of just? I feel like NASCAR is that one last bastion of sports where we're all just kind of like, y'all can have it. Like we're good. Like there's no part of me that's ever felt like, like I have always affiliated NASCAR with straight up racism. Like I've never not because, like, it's the the rebel flag. It's the whitest white. It's white people in truck hats. Like I've always assumed there's just no breaking that barrier
2: because at its core. It is non-black. Yeah. You're asking me to sit outside in the sun for hours and watch some cars going inside in a uh, in circle, and it's really, really loud, and to drink beer. Right. It ain't no Hennessy. It ain't no wings. It ain't, no air <laughs> it ain't even nothing stereotypical black. Right. Like we just gonna sit in the sun in some overalls and some trucker hats and watch some cars go in a circle? Like, we, like, this, this ain't no car show. Like, black that's,
1: people it, do enjoy a drag race, though. Yeah, like, that mm
2: fast food of- mm. is over. That's a drag okay. race. That's real quick. Now okay. start with, That is hours and hours of watching you go in a circle in the heat in the summer in some southern cities or northeasterns where it ain't no black people and right. we just out there with a six-pack like, that ain't really us. And my argument has always been it's bigger than NASCAR to where, listen, I point out all the racism in sports, right? And some sports are worse than others, And even the good ones, NFL, NBA, they all got their own shit they got to deal with.
1: Right. But I'm like,
2: at least they showcase and highlight they, their black talent because they know it's a good business deal. There are some sports that are inherently racist like a NASCAR. Baseball still is to a certain extent, or like a hockey, which you can say was created by black folks. But if you look at those two sports, if we're talking race car driving and hockey, they have never Mm. put their black faces on the side of a building on a front and champion us like.
1: I can't even name. I can't even name a black hockey star. I don't even know anybody black. I can't even name. I can't even name a hockey player, period, after Wayne Gretzky. Like, I I don't.
2: Yeah, that's just a sport in itself. Was, but, like, P.K. Yeah. Subban is the black guy now in hockey, but he's Canadian. So his ideas on race are totally different than ours. Right. And it's like, look, I understand you might be God-gifted, and this is a sport you want to play, and I'm all for equality. But, fam, at least play a sport where they at least don't pay you and at least put you on some type of pedestal even if they hate you.
1: Okay, but, no, but I have this question for you, though. Do So, like, Tiger Woods was so passionate about golf that he cracked golf open for black folks. No, he didn't. I mean, you know what I mean on a mainstream level. You know what I mean. I know. not trying to play golf like that. Just regular, everyday motherfuckers. Once you got into the C-suite, maybe, but just regular, everyday <laughs> people weren't trying to play golf like that. Until Tiger came along. And even though we had black stars before Venus and Serena, they they revolutionized the game for black girls as well. Do we have a responsibility to not think of because we also got to get there in swimming too. do we have a responsibility to, to not think of certain sports categories as those are for the white people in 2020? Do we have a responsibility to reframe that or should we not?
2: I don't know the answer to that yet but mm-hmm. when I think about those sports I think about a Cullen Jones in the Olympics mm-hmm. a black dude a couple of years ago then I thought I, th- I remember uh Simone I forgot her name the sister that won at the last oh, Olympics
1: well, yeah who they started started, yeah. they started changing their scoring yeah it, so it was somebody exactly after black.
2: her yeah, and Simone. I think about these these other sports where it was like a black and like and here's the thing if you're going to be the first to break through that barrier, like bring some people with you. That's why I object to when you brought Tiger. Yes, we started to play golf more after Tiger. But have we right. seen any black people on the PGA yeah, Tour right. since Tiger? Yeah, no. Yeah. That's why I'm like, what did Tiger actually do for us? Uh, it's make us spend more money at these country clubs. <laughs> we ain't seen nobody that look like us. Who claims to be black, which Tiger doesn't, that's oh, out there in the right. PGA Tour. So who Tiger right. bring? That part with? is fair. That part is fair. And I'm that's like, fair. all right, if, if you're gonna go to these to your sports where they don't want you, at least bring somebody with at you. At least That's my it issue door.
1: Yeah. Right. Kick the So for NASCAR, I still have absolutely no desire to watch Now NAS- the other reason I have no desire to watch NASCAR races is because people die on that fucking track. I'm good. <laughs> like I don't even know how Dale Earnhardt Jr. If my daddy died doing the same thing I do professionally, I'm out. Oh. I'm out. It's a wrap. No, I'm good. Not doing no more. Um, but anyway, so, okay, we'll continue to watch what happens with... I mean, at least if you're going to be black and drop NASCAR, I guess your name has to be Bubba. But we're going to continue to watch what happens with Bubba. But the white folks, is they are mad, mad. They They're mad if there was any folks. kind of solidarity with him. Um, all right. One last thing, and this isn't even... A black thing, this is just like a phenomenon that I think we're all a little, little like, kind of like, what's the word, puzzled, baffled. It's like a, it's like a nationwide mystery. Take it what about. the fuck is up with the fireworks this year? It doesn't matter <laughs> where you are, right? It doesn't matter where, because at first I thought it was a New York thing. And in New York, they get popping really heavy the week before the 4th and the week after the 4th. Them joint started two weeks ago in every borough. Then I saw people in LA saying the same thing. Then people in like Ohio were saying the same thing. People in Boston saying the same thing. It's happening everywhere. And I do know that on some levels, um, part of it is that suppliers have been shifting more of their inventory to retail because sporting events, fairs, you know theme parks, all the stuff that they usually give the heavy artillery to, all that shit's been shut down. But still, like, the the people are shooting fireworks off all day, every day, like, all around the country. Do you have thoughts? Because there's conspiracy theories. People think it's the op. I'm, I like it's a little op-ish in certain areas of New York, because we woke up this morning and Mayor de Blasio decided to assign a task force on fireworks which just put gave the policemen all the power back on the streets that they've been losing but like what is it happening in chicago
2: i don't know uh because you know <laughs> i i moved to the area where i was away from the shenanigans because look i'm but not I'm, I'm moving forward not back but no seriously okay. um you have to look at it and shout out to terry because i saw some uh some fireworks online. I had to back up Terry Fireworks. You remember the dude in the wheelchair a couple years ago? <laughs> back, back, back.
1: back it up, Terry.
2: But it it actually like makes sense if you think about it. From like a let's just take a look at what's been going on in the world the last three months. Mm-hmm. Everybody been in the house. Everybody, everybody bored. Everybody loves fireworks. Do that. Fire, fireworks Do that, transcend sex. Sexuality, race, gender, social economics—look, you might not go, but if somebody gave you a match and be like, "Hey, like that thing up," I guarantee you, just want to see true. that pistol.
1: I definitely set some things on fire by accident with sparklers when I was a kid. But I'm just saying, or, or every, poppers. Every day, though, like every day, it's been every day. The reason people think it's an op, at least in New York, is because in the hood, they're they're easily blowing through over a $100 retail worth every day, minimum, right? Like they're setting off whole, they're setting off whole like cartons without taking them out of the carton. They're just lighting the whole shit on fire every day. Like, no, no, they start at like seven, they'll end at like midnight and they'll pick up at like three, four o'clock in the morning and go till the sun comes up. So that's why people were there. And there was some video of NYPD and FDNY setting off some themselves, but like, I know, that's not your, I know that's not them doing it up the street from my house, you know, but it is. But my thing was, and and apparently some kids have said, like, oh, well, some random white man in an SUV was selling them because they have to ship them into New They have to bring them into New York from Pennsylvania and New Jersey. I do think I know that there's a black market um, for fireworks already. I do think that people have just been trying to unload them really cheaply. But then when I when. A bunch of people from, when this co- councilman from the from Brooklyn, who is supported by um, PBAs and and um, you know the other you know police organizations, staged a protest at the mayor's house last night at like two o'clock. I saw that. I was like, and then we woke up this morning and saw that the mayor assigned a NYPD FDNY task force for the fire. Saw that too. I was like, oh, maybe it was or not, because the police department is mad because everybody's like, y'all do too much. Right. Because the other thing is they didn't start till after the protest thing calmed down. So I was like, OK, they just got their license back to fuck with everybody on the street for the summer. Yeah. But I, but that doesn't that obviously doesn't explain everything.
2: Do listen, I? I listen, I believe in all conspiracy theories at the moment. Like, we saw...
1: I'm resistant to conspiracy theories. And, look, and, we just
2: saw this white woman in Atlanta set fire to a Wendy's. Yes. We, <laughs> we have, saw on social media people yes, like Black Lives Matters in, 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 in places across the country. And it was like, you, who who are you? Like, yo, you right. got my hair. What, what are you doing? Like, what We don't even loot or protest that way. No, like, yeah, we
1: definitely don't. You, to our you, right
2: you taking the wrong stuff out of Target. Like right. that is not an <laughs> optimal <laughs> item. You went there grabbing right. face wipes and shit when you' trying to loot Instead the target. Like that don't make right. sense.
1: Right, that's fair. So
2: listen, do would I put it past anybody? No, I have watched the wire three times. <laughs> Look, so if you told me this is some conspiracy by the NYPD so that they can just like crack some hands this summer if anybody pops some poppers or anything like that, I'll be like, I believe it. But if you told me this was just People frustrated from being in the house and with everything that's going on, and they OD on fireworks. I will also be like, I'll I think be- it's a
1: combination. I think, I think, a, I think a bunch of, like I said before, we struggle with both and. So I think several things are happening. I think suppliers are unloading. They're selling online. I think there's probably some bad actors who are like, let's plant a bunch of fireworks in the hood so that the noise complaints can go up. And I think also, like when we're talking about the suburbs and stuff, like Jim and, Jim and Carol are just fucking bored and just because there are also firework, hardcore fireworks enthusiasts who would do the whole Macy's Parade show in their backyard if they could every day. Oh, so yeah. that all, is. Okay, I wanna wrap up. Um, I wanna wrap up on a lighter note if possible, but I also did wanna bring in, we haven't really actually talked about any music, which is what most people know me for. So I wanna bring a little bit in. Um, Shout out to my man John Legend, dropped a new album last week, which I think is excellent, which I know most of y'all are gonna act like you don't care about, but pro- I promise you it's like I probably to one of I his best- to What did you think? Uh I think one of his best joints since once again.
2: I uh you have to understand, I have a different take on John Legend. Like I appreciate the first track. I forgot the name of the track. It had, oh. it, had it had like a little trap beat with the piano, and I was like, yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah, but I was just like. It was different for him. I like the risk he was taking. But as a consumer of that, I was like, there is someone who could have did this better. Like if this was a Zeethoven beat, it would have really went hard. And it was no disrespect okay. to John Legend. But in my mind, like my favorite John Legend album, and I've said this to you, is Live from the Knitting Factory, which wasn't even the like, first Stevens. album. That's yeah, it was just John Stevens. Like that's yeah. my like I didn't even like the first album. Because it was a kind of remake of that with yeah. actual production. I'm just like, nah, man, get that dude some cognac, a cigar, a dark room with women, and a piano, and just let him cook. Right. So anytime I get something that's not that, unless three stacks is on the hook, I'm like,
1: okay. I don't
2: okay. so legend.
1: you are not the right person to talk about this. But, and you missed the verses. So I can't even recap the verses with you, unfortunately. I saw um, the highlights. You saw the highlights. I, okay, I, I, what are you. Girl. What are you listening
2: to right now? Ooh, I have a conglomerate of mess on my Spotify okay, playlist. Not, that cut, but no, what what, what? But no, I'm not going into it. But <laughs> I will say that one thing I keep going back to, like, it's a couple tracks on that New City girl, Girls. It's kind of hard because okay. uh, I'm eclectic. But that Insecure season four soundtrack got some quiet sleepers on there. Okay. That I have been given a lot of run to lately. Okay. All
1: right, and see so, I I do wanna have a conversation. Next week I wanna talk about cause you and I, you guys can't see him, but um <laughs> Ryan has on a Jodeci T shirt that has all the members of Jodeci with his name at the bottom of it. Um we have a lot of conversation about music from the different perspective of him as a millennial, which he doesn't claim as me and me as a Gen
2: Xer. I am um, not
1: I want to have a conversation about how Versus has changed the music conversation, but we can save that for next week.
2: Can we talk um, about H Town finally? Because you know how I feel about it. Yeah, H-Town. we'll
1: talk. Fine, we'll talk about H Town next week, uh, <laughs> Dino, more specifically. But one thing I did want to tell you that you'll be interested in knowing is that I finally—you know—I never watched a season two finale of Billions, right? Because I had too much anxiety. Correct. I finally caught up. I'm up to speed. So we all can, the way. I'm all the way. I'm up to current episode now. Like I, I was at neglecting season, other shit at
2: the season break we had. Right?
1: Yeah, I was neglecting other shit because I was trying to see what David Axelrod and them were doing. So I'm Bobby. all the way to speed. So when when they come back, we can talk about axe. We can get into axe cap
2: and talk and talk about those. shit. I've been trying to buy axe cap t-shirt for like years, so but honest. I ain't see one that was dope enough.
1: You need to make one. Go on want and make one. Okay, so this was, for the first time ever, Wednesday service. Again, the format may change. The name might even change. I will, Karen may or may not be here, but I will be here. I am Naima Cochran. I am your host. Um, if you do love our shows and content, I want to remind you that you can also become Patreon of Count the Dings, um, which helps us to produce all this great content and keep everybody happy. And if you love our shows and content, I just wanna remind you that there is more if you wanna be a Patreon of Count the Dings. And not only do you get extras, it helps us to continue to make all this content that you love currently. So you can go to patreon.com, Count the Dings. There are a bunch of extra goodies behind all of our different feeds. and, you know, we appreciate your support. Karen, do you have anything you want to say to the good people as you wish them goodbye?
2: Uh, my name is Karen. I, uh, Karen. Um, you can f- follow me on Twitter at Karen J. Phillips, C-A-R-O-N, capital J. Phillips with two L's. Um, I'm on there talking shit all the time, clocking back. Wait, there.
1: is that your locked account or your real account?
2: Oh, no, that's <laughs> my real account. Like, listen, i listen. Oh, oh listen, the burner Twitter account, y'all are <laughs> never going to find. It's going through so okay. many the account I've had since 2009 is gone through so many lo- name changes and uh, layers of security.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I, yeah,
2: I just, I just creeped from that account. But yeah, yeah, I'm not out here Kevin Duranting it up though. But yeah. No. You know, Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, and I, still- I am
1: Naima at Naima, N-A-I-M-A. Hit me up. Let me know what you would like to hear me talk about. A bunch of y'all knew I had a pod coming before I said anything. So I don't know where the hell you even heard that from, but I've been asking nobody to answer it. But i'm here uh, hit me i'm naima graham on twitter and we will see y'all next week